Welcome to the Father's Heart with Tom Clark, better known as Papa Tom. Good morning, this is Papa Tom at the Father's Heart Talk Show. And we know our mission statement is bringing the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to their fathers. So today I'm going to talk about a subject that is very appropriate for the month of October. It's appropriate for the month of October because at the end of this month, there's the celebration of Halloween. And uh, as a father um, and a grandfather, I have uh, some very strong thoughts about those things. And I would like to uh, share with my audience a book that I wrote. That's a short story. And in this short story, it depicts why, as a father, I wouldn't want my children to celebrate, or my grandchildren to celebrate Halloween. Halloween, um, well, the whole month of October, if you look and go to the movies, is full of horror stories. For some reason, uh, the media thinks that this is an uh, open season on scariness. And as a father, I found that one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in my life uh, was scaring my children. I wasn't sensitive to the fact that it's very easy to scare children. <clears throat> and one instance I would recall, one story I can relate, which is a true story, uh, one of my children um, was about probably um, three or four years old, and my wife and I and uh, his older brother went to a, an Italian restaurant in McLean, Virginia, and uh, when we left the restaurant, there was a, a dummy, basically, a clown, uh, a dummy dressed up as a clown, uh, in the, a showcase of the, um, of the restaurant. So I pointed out to my three or four-year-old son, uh, Noah, I said, Noah, uh, okay, is it moving? And he looked at the, looked at the uh, clown, and uh, he was scared. And from that day forward, he had nightmares about clowns. That was a horrible thing for me to do. And I tried to correct it later, but it, it made this impression upon his mind. And as a little child going forward, even to becoming a man, um, it's something that uh, has stuck with him. And it's something, unfortunately, I did as a dad, which I should never have done. I confessed it's wrong. I want to be transparent with my audience. And, uh, but take a bigger picture than this. The bigger picture here is... Don't scare your children. It's not something that's in the heart of God the Father. In the heart of God the Father, he doesn't want the children to be scared. And yet the enemy of our souls wants to scare the hell out of us. And literally. And uh, maybe into us, if I lose the, the expression in the inverse. Because Satan, um, his biggest tool in his toolbox is fear. And the greatest fear of all is the fear of death. And that's what Halloween is a celebration of. So I'm going to share a story about Halloween from a different perspective. One of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. He wrote a book called Screwtape Letters, in which he depicted what it looked like from the dark side. Uncle Screwtape was um, educating uh, his young nephew in how to be a good devil and enraging it that way. So I'm going to tell you a story about Halloween that the devil does not want you to hear. It's the perspective of Halloween. It's a fictional story, but it includes a tremendous amount of truth. And I'm doing this because I want to set people free. It's one of the things in the heart of God to provide, protect, and to mentor. So instead of mentoring about... Uh, 
I want to mention to you about not scaring your children and how to overcome fears, which is what all my books about and about what the show is about, how to overcome fears. The primary fear that you're going to confront in your life through a thousand different windows into this fear is the fear of death. The scripture tells us in Hebrews, Hebrews 2, insomuch that as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, referring to Yeshua, likewise shared in the same. In other words, he put on flesh and blood. Jesus put on flesh and blood. That through death, his death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. In my audience, do you know anybody that's subject to bondage? I know a lot of people. Almost everybody I know is subject to some form of bondage, some form of addiction, something that you're addicted to and you're in bondage to. And underlying, if you scrape away all the different layers of that, it comes down to one basic thing, and that's the fear of death. And if you can overcome that, you'll be totally free in your life of any addiction and any bondage. Um, I learned in my life that addictions and bondages are often utilized by people to set themselves free in a bad way. They're trying to medicate themselves against some fear. Well, if you scrape away all the different coverings to it, that un fundamental fear that the devil uses to keep us in bondage, to get us into bondage, to keep us in bondage, to medicate us, try to, get, try to get us to medicate ourselves with alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography, anything you mention that's a bondage, it's there because we're trying to medicate ourselves against a fear. But what, wouldn't it be better just to get to the Father directly and have him deal with your fear and have him help you overcome your fear of death? So in that in mind, let me begin the story of the last All Hallows Eve. This is the book. You can go to my website, thefathersheartmedia.com, and you can download it for free. Just to subscribe, you get it for free. But today you're going to have a special uh, <clears throat> event because today the actual author, Papa Tom, is going to read the story for you. And I love telling stories. I love to use my voice in telling the stories. So today we're going to share with you the last All Hallows' Eve. This is the depiction of Halloween which is the, All Hallows' Eve, by the way, is another name for Halloween, that the devil doesn't want you to hear. So in the beginning of our story, the morning sun broke over the horizon. The day was a perfect day, complete in every way. Nonetheless, I, Lucifer, was seething. Jealousy raged within my soul, if I had one. How could Yahweh create a being better than me, the greatest of all living creatures, how could Yahweh create a creature in his image and likeness? How could this be possible? I, Lucifer, wanted to be Yahweh's son, not some other puny creature who could not even make music like I could. Worse than that, this puny creature who Yahweh made in the image and likeness of himself had power and authority over all the realms of creation, mineral, plant, animal, and now the angelic realm. As bad as the situation was, it was even worse than I had thought. This puny creature was able to reproduce, and I can't reproduce. Imagine that, 
this creature who Yahweh called man was able to procreate just like Yahweh. Imagine a co-creator with Yahweh. It was like man was his family. Mishpokah. This was an outrage. Lucifer remembered when this all started. The first thing Yahweh did was create a home for this new creature, man. It was going to be the new home for his new family. Yahweh called this kingdom earth. At first it was barren, just rocks and minerals. Then it changed to include plants and animals. Not to my taste at all. When I got the idea this was going to be the home of a new creature higher than me, I took matters into my own hands and made it null and void. Much more to my liking. Against my better judgment, Yahweh moved to counteract my initiative and brought a piece of heaven onto this barren void of a planet, and he called it the Garden. It was there in that garden that the story of All Hallows' Eve begins. And I'll be back in a moment to share with you the rest of the story of the last All Hallows' Eve. back with the story of the last All Hallows Eve and it begins in the garden. Into the dirt of the earth Yahweh cast his image on the third day. Then he waited three days and on the sixth day he went nose to nose and mouth to mouth and fingertip to fingertip raised up a dirt body from the earth. This man creature was lifeless until Yahweh breathed into him his breath and suddenly Man came to life. It was then that I realized I had a new rival. The big guy created a being higher than me, and I didn't like it one bit. Why did Yahweh do this? I, Lucifer, thought I was his favorite. This situation did not work for me, so I devised a plan. I knew I needed to take control of the situation, but before I could make a move, Yahweh pulled a fast one. He split the man in two. Man and woman. He called them both Adam. One man was quite enough, but now there was two of them, and I had a sneaky suspicion they were going to be fruitful and multiply, so I had to move fast. I realized I had several challenges to overcome or would have been insurmountable to any other created being, but not for me. My plan was genius. After all, I was the most intelligent being in the intergalactic cosmos. So for me, this was a piece of cake. My first obstacle was getting into the garden. I could not enter myself, so I made a deal with the serpent. I promised the serpent glory and power and his bloodline forever. Together, we would share dominion. Of course, once I got control, I could rearrange things more to my liking. The serpent agreed. So I, Lucifer, entered the serpent. Voila, I had access to the garden. The man did not object, so that was easier than I thought. I love it when my potential rivals are passive. It's so much easier to control them when they don't even resist me. Who do I approach first? I thought to myself. I capitalized on the fact that Yahweh split the man into two to my advantage. I could divide and conquer. Another genius move, by the way, on my part. I decided I would approach the woman first because she appeared to be the weaker vessel. I saw that the man was quite powerful with his words. All creation listened to him, 
and bowed down to his every command. I had no power to kill him, but perhaps I could get him to kill himself. Would this work? It was my best shot. If I could only disconnect him from his power source, Yahweh, his father, then I knew good things would be in store for me. I could gain control again, and the man would be under me, where he should have been in the first place. Get behind me, Adam, was my new battle cry. The scuttlebutt was Yahweh had told the man not to eat of a certain tree in the garden. If I could only get him to disobey his father, I had a chance. I was told if the man disobeyed his father, he would die. This was fantastic. Imagine that I did not have to kill the man. He would die by his own choice. I did not have the power to kill him. All I had to do was to get him to kill himself. Disobey, detached, disconnect. Boy, I love those D's. Might even take on the D word devil as my new nickname. If I could only convince the woman to act, she could convince the man, and my plan would be put into effect. So I devised the third step in my plan, trick or treat. All I needed the woman to do was move a little bit in my direction. So I thought I would tell the woman not to touch the fruit, which was an apple, by the way. If she would touch it, nothing happened. It would be an easy slide to eating it. Finally, after she ate it, she would convince the man to eat it, and voila! I, Lucifer, the greatest of all creations in the universe, would be back on top again. My plan worked smooth as ice. I convinced the woman to doubt what Yahweh had told them. Another D word which I love, doubt. The apple was most appealing to her senses, and she ate and offered it to the man, and he ate. Then I, Lucifer, was back in business, at the top of my game. This was my greatest victory. Craftily, I gained dominion over all the things the man had dominion over, except he didn't have dominion over other human beings, only plants and animals. I, Lucifer the Great, had now achieved control over the man, too. Due to my superior intelligence and cunning skill with words, I learned quickly how to gain control over the man, and now all the kingdoms on earth were mine. I realized I could always use my skill with words to keep him under my control if worse came to worse. I could even change the meaning of words like changing the meaning of awake to woke and program him to believe whatever I wanted him to believe. I am so frigging genius, he will never be able to defeat me ever again. My battle cry, yet behind me Adam, was ringing in my ears. The man was going to die now. I defeated my greatest foe. So I decided to celebrate death. After all, my rise to power deserved the celebration, don't you think? After all, if you don't honor yourself and give others an opportunity to honor you, what good is it? So I decided to name this day All Hallows' Eve. Some of my minions thought the name Halloween sounded better, so later we went with that word. Can you appreciate what I did here? I took back control and dominion and created a day to commemorate my victory, a celebration of death. Prior to my great victory, there was no death. Now death entered the world, and I realized I had a great new friend. I knew I could always use the fear of death as a weapon 
to usurp the latent power in a man's soul. I could do this should the man decide to come back at me in the future. In fact, I found the fear of death to be most useful, the mother of all fears. What a great new weapon I had. The man got pretty upset when he realized what happened. He was going to die, though he didn't know what that meant since no one had ever experienced death before. So he tried to get Dominion back by naming the woman Eve. The man wanted to put the woman under his dominion. The man and the woman were together before my rise. Yahweh, together Yahweh called them both Adam. Together Adam named all the animals. Once I got dominion, the man separated from the woman and called her Eve, the mother of all living. So Adam blamed Eve from my deception. This was too good to be true. I had divided and conquered them and would do everything in my power to keep them separate. I knew if I could just keep convincing Adam to rule over Eve in every way possible, then they would always be separate, except when they decided to multiply, acting like co-creators just like their father. What a bunch of show-offs. It really wasn't fair. Yahweh made it so pleasurable for them to multiply. It seemed like all that, that's all they wanted to do. Multiply, multiply, multiply. Well, enough is enough. If they keep going at this rate, there'll be too many of them. And I will not be able to control them anymore. I will have to make sure they keep the population constrained to 500 million or less. So I need another genius plan to stop their procreative activity. If I didn't come up with something quick, they would multiply like bunnies, and that would be too hard to control. So being the genius that I am, I came up with the idea of perverting the activity they, they produced babies. Later, my followers called it LGBTQ, and I would be happy if they kept adding letters to it. Anything I could do to subvert their pleasurable union, to negate their procreative power to have babies, would be a good move on my part. Pleasure was a very powerful motivator, so I didn't want to take that motivation away from them. Just redirect pleasure to accomplish my objectives would be a sweet move. Men having sex with men, women with women, men who thought they were women would mutilate their genitals. Voila, no babies. This type of chaos was great. A real slap in Yahweh's face, who always wants to have everything in order. Anything I can do to get back at the big guy brings pleasure to me. I will show the big guy he should have chosen me. He keeps everything in order with the power of his word and the word of his power. I can't stand that. What a show-off. For some reason, the big guy always likes order and enjoys it when they multiply, acting just like him. Just before I thought I had everything in the bag, Yahweh comes into the garden and makes this outrageous statement to me while I'm in the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. How do you like that? Everyone knows that the woman doesn't have seed, so how is he going to pull that one off? Nonetheless, I knew I had to start planning to keep my power, and keep these pesky little humans from getting dominion back. After all, the end game is always control. So I decided to develop another genius plan. My existence is just full of genius plans. 
That's why I was able to get one-third of our angelic realm to follow me. They're not stupid, you know. To retain dominion, I knew I had to come up with a plan to compromise Adam and his progeny forever. To keep everything in chaos, I would offer some of these humans power if they would just bow down and worship me. Those humans who are inclined to desire power are easy to convince. If they're willing to worship me, I'll require blood from them. Innocent blood. Nothing is more attractive to me than baby's blood. The real challenge is how am I going to wordsmith my request to get them to give me the blood I want from them. Life is in the blood, so I want them to offer it to me. In exchange for their blood sacrifices, I'll give them power. To keep it interesting, I want them to perform perverted sex so they don't get any ideas of having more babies themselves. Ah, the sweet smell of power and control is exhilarating. All Hallows' Eve is the perfect night every year to celebrate my greatest victory in the garden, the celebration of death. When I took dominion from Adam, my rituals are appropriate to have any time, but All Hallows' Eve night is something special. In my domain of darkness, this day is revered as my high holy day. As a bonus, I will encourage them to drink some of the blood of our sacrifices and our rituals and give them the illusion it makes them feel younger. A fountain of youth, so to speak, as an enticement to keep them coming back. I think I'll name this new drink Adrenochrome, the fountain of youth. After all, everyone wants to feel young again. I'll be back in a moment to share with you the rest of the last All Hallows' Eve, a high holy day of Satan. We're back with Papa Tom, and we're sharing the story of the last All Hallows' Eve. And we're up to the place in the story where Lucifer is encouraging human beings to participate in satanic sacrifices and drink children's blood, which he called adrenochrome. There was one who refused my offer to bow down and worship me. He called himself the Son of Man. I made him three offers in the desert one time, right after he fasted for 40 days. I thought I had him right where I wanted him. I knew he had to be hungry. I could not believe he refused to change rocks into bread, which I had seen Adam do. My last proposal was to offer him all the kingdoms of this world, if he would just bow down and worship me. But he refused, saying something like it is only right to worship Yahweh. Fool! Doesn't he know that I have all the power on the earth right now? Then he said something really irritating and really scary because he said it with power behind his words. He said, get behind me, Satan. That really, really infuriated me. Who does he think he is? I really hope he wasn't the seed of the woman that Yahweh spoke about in the garden many years ago. If so, he could demolish all my plans and give dominion back to man again. This was a new wrinkle. I suspected Adam and his progeny were too weak to take control back from me again. But if they had a new champion, that could change the tables against me in a big way. If this new wild card was the seed of the woman, 
I would make sure my minions would kill him in the most vicious and painful way possible. I would make an example of him so no one would ever dare defy me in the future. I would remain in control of this world. After all, what's existence all about if you're not on top, controlling everyone else? Sure enough, I found out that this son of man was the seed of the woman, so I had to go into action fast. He went about healing the sick and speaking about the big guy's kingdom. He seemed like a new Adam, but much, much stronger. This guy never made a mistake. I sent my religious people after him, the scribes and Pharisees, but they could never trap him. No matter how I told them to pose a question, he always had a way to wiggle his way out of my traps. His wordsmithing was not, my wordsmithing was not working. He knew the word too well. He knew the truth too well. It was almost as if he were the word and the truth itself, all combined into one. But how could that be? He had this unique way about him. Whenever my people would ask him a question, he would always respond with another question of his own that threw my people off their narrative. If they answered one way, they would be trapped. If they answered the opposite way, they would also be trapped. For example, I thought I had him on the question of paying taxes. I had my people ask him, who should the people pay taxes to? The Romans or the temple? Whichever way he, he answered, I would trap him. He would offend either the Romans or the priests. This guy says, show me a coin. Then he says, whose inscription is on it? Again, you see how he starts with the question? The answer is, Caesar's inscription is on one side, and on the other side is an inscription of the temple. So he says, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to the temple what belongs to God. I don't think Solomon could have figured that one out, even when he was going to split the baby in two to find out whose mother it was. This guy was very good, a real challenge for me. He could really wordsmith his words, but I had a plan which would require unity from my minions. I had to get my religious leaders working together with the political leaders to exercise my power in this situation to get rid of this guy. After all, death was my friend, and he would come in handy at times like this. My first victory in the garden introduced death into the world, and I always kept death close by me so I could maintain control. This son of man was really getting worse and worse. People were following him and listening to him. He kept telling them about the big guy, describing the big guy, Yahweh, as his father. He also told them about the kingdom of heaven, giving them hope. This was too much. I always taught them he was going to punish them so they would be afraid of the big guy. Fear was my friend, too. I did not want this son of man telling the people the father loved them, that he was a good, good father, absolutely good. That was not going to work. If the people believed the son of man, they would be free and I would lose control. I could not let that happen. Get behind me, Adam. So my plan began to take shape. Both my political and religious leaders loved power. I simply scared them into believing they were both going to lose power if the son of man got his way. I let them believe he was their Messiah, was going to free them from the power of Rome. I made sure the Romans realized he was a real threat to their power, a real competitor to Caesar. 
Next, I knew the fraudulent religious leaders were easily threatened by anyone who threatened their illegitimacy, no matter how fraudulently they obtained power. Obviously, they were illegitimate because I showed them how to do it. The more illegitimate, the easier it was to threaten them. Anyone placed in power fraudulently does not want to give up their ill-gotten position and would kill to maintain their power position. So I brought them together. Former enemies became friends, and they mutually agreed to get rid of the Son of Man. One of them even said, Don't you realize it would be better for one man to die for the people than that the whole nation perish? Of course, I don't care much for the people, and neither do my minions. I would prefer both the nation and the one man both die. So I took the necessary steps. I had one scare, however. Pontius Pilate's wife had a dream and almost convinced her husband not to move forward with our planned execution. But we weighed in on him again, reminding him of his weak position of power with Caesar, and he succumbed as we knew he would. It did not take long. It only took a couple of hours, scourging 39 lashes almost to the brink of death, and then the artful, excruciating, yet effective crucifixion finished the job. We lost one of the thieves who got a chance to speak with him on the way out, but we kept the other one. Then the big surprise happened. We killed him all right, and we got him into hell. But we could not hold him. As it turned out, this guy, the son of man, did nothing wrong his whole life. He never sinned. I forgot to keep accounts of that one. Everyone sins at least occasionally, but he was absolutely perfect. So he had no legal right to hold him. The big guy pulled a fast one on us. He decides to hold a court hearing in heaven. Yahweh takes the judge's seat and makes a judgment against the Son of Man, is innocent of all accusations, completely and utterly sinless. Worse than that, Yahweh decides that anyone who believes in him shall also be set free. All the people that lived in ages past were waiting for this dude to appear and say they believe in him, and we had to let them go. We had no hold on them. We tried and we tried, but to no avail. When we got him into hell, we were celebrating death, just like we do every Halloween. But he starts throwing everyone out of hell. He forgives this one, that one. All the people who were in Abraham's bosom were waiting for their champion, their Messiah to set them free. And sure enough, the Son of Man arrives, and he is their champion. I sent the hordes of hell, every demon I could muster, to attack this son of man. We were losing control. And then he realized, and then we realized, this was no ordinary man. He was only half man. He was also the son of God. We were toast. <clears throat> so we decided to change our strategy quickly and get him out of hell at all costs. It took us three days, but we finally got him the hell out of here. Whew, what a relief it was to get rid of him. He spent about 40 days on earth, again talking to his disciples. Then he rose to the throne room, the right hand of the father, the big guy, Yahweh himself. He promised to return, but we still had control on the earth, so he had to settle for that. He was easy to kill on the earth, like a lamb led to slaughter. 
But once he got down here, he was like a lion from the tribe of Judah, immensely powerful. Even his human side was indestructible. The father decreed his death was an acceptable sacrifice for all of mankind's sins. What a horror that was. He was going to restore back to the humans the dominion that Adam relinquished to us that first All Hallows Eve in the garden. So far we've not seen that happen. It's been 2,000 years and we are still in control. But something has bothered me lately. I think our time may be running out. There really should be no reason for me to be nervous. After all, we were still in control on Earth. In fact, I had more control now than I ever had. The whole Earth was under the control of my domain of darkness. The powers and principalities of evil were reporting to me that everything was moving along fine, except for some pockets of light here and there. My people were in all the right places in the seven mountains of influence. Governments were under my control. Religious leaders were under my control. Education, sports and entertainment, media, business, and finally the family. The last mountain of family was the hardest to conquer. I simply had to get the fathers out of the picture. My solution was fatherlessness. My initiative worked with the weaker vessel, the women again, just like in the garden. I got the feminist movement working for me against some perceived wrongs. The goddess Ishtar helped us out immensely with the National Organization of Women. Just emasculate men wherever you can, can and stop the boys from growing up to be fathers. Throw your bodies at the men. Have sex. After all, it's so pleasurable. But whatever you do, don't have babies. Abort them. Sacrifice the babies to me. Inside the womb or out, I don't care. Just give me that good old innocent blood, and I'll give you all the money and power you want. The women helped us out here again. We got them to think, my body, my choice, as an expression of their freedom. How easy it was for me, Lucifer, to get them to one who exercised authority over men. Ever since I got Adam to lord it over women in the garden by calling the woman Eve, now women wanted to lord it over men as if it were their turn to be in control. I just love it. My objective was quite simple. To accomplish with my wordsmithing skills, we really made headway fast. Again, just like with Adam, when you meet little resistance from the men, the going is not that tough. We got the fathers out of 85% of the families in the inner cities. Naturally, we got our people in the government to help subsidize our expulsion of fathers by incentivizing the people to expel the fathers from the families. Take daddy out of the family and watch the government money flow. Ah, the love of money works every time. We received a double benefit by expelling the fathers. Not only were the families a mess, the number of babies born declined and the children who escaped were born without a daddy. So we're back in a moment and we share what happens when there's no more fathers in the families. We see in our story that Satan, Lucifer, was uh, able to get the fathers out of the families. So he begins to talk about a double benefit. Lucifer is uh, speaking now and he says, we received the double benefit by expelling the fathers. Not only were the families a mess, but the number of babies born declined, and the children who escaped and were born did not know who they were. No daddy, no identity. 
since they didn't know who they were, they were no threat to me. I know I must do everything I can to prevent them from learning who they are. I have to make sure they don't learn the big guy as their dad. If they make that connection in their minds, they become a big problem for us. Suddenly they become endued with power from the kingdom of heaven and begin to speak with the power of his word, just like he does. I have nightmares thinking one day some of these humans will wake up and realize who their father is. If that happens, they will realize who they are and all heaven will break loose. I can never let them be awake. I will win by making them woke. Perhaps that's why I'm a little nervous. Everything seems to be working, but I just cannot get rid of a sneaking suspicion that things are happening that I cannot see behind the scenes. My people in Davos are working diligently to set up the one, my one-world government. I have the World Economic Forum pumping out propaganda, uh, excuse me, information. I have the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum working hand-in-glove. Klaus Schwab and Dr. Noah Harari are both doing excellent work. They're in constant communication with Bill Gates and Dr. Fauci, making sure our plan is moving forward expeditiously to depopulate the Earth. The CEO of Pfizer even told Klaus that at the end of 2023, we'd be able to cut the population in half. Those are some pretty good numbers. Eight billion down to four billion. Still not enough, though. I like Dr. Malthus's number of 500 million. Much more to my liking and much more controllable. From the perspective of accomplishing our depopulation plan and subsequent control plan on the human front, it seems the jab is working. Those fools are so easy to deceive. It's a wonder why the big guy designed them to have power over us. Because they really are quite stupid. All we had to do was use the fear of death with the COVID virus to scare them and to take the vaccine, which really allows us to kill them. A wise man once said, you can fool all the people some of the time, and some of the people all the time. So true, so true. We like that maxim. In a perfect world, we could fool all the people all the time, but we've not been able to accomplish that because the big guy was smart enough to give them his word. There were a few premature deaths before we were able to excite our chemical cocktail with 5G. Apparently, the premature deaths were due to their immune systems rejecting our spike proteins and other toxins. These weak humans were getting blood clots and myocarditis and such. I did not want them to get scared of the jab before we injected six billion or more. I wanted them to fear COVID so they would get the jab. Ha <laughs> ha, my plan was genius. By the way, did you see my ingenious wordsmithing of our chemical concoction? I got our people through Dr. Fauci to call it a vaccine so there would be no legal liability in case we had some premature deaths before we could jab everyone on the planet. Furthermore, no one can complain about getting a vaccine, right? Fortunately for me, the love of money is like an elixir to these humans. I can get them to do whatever I want for pieces of paper if they see it as currency. One of my lieutenants, Mammon, does a fine job scaring them about money. On the other mountain of business and finance, I got my stellar stalwarts, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, to begin the process of resetting the planet's financial system. My plans, the new CBDC currency, it stands for Central Bank 
digital currency. As all my minions and followers know, my objective is always control. And what, and what control the CBDC gives me? I can control everything through this device. How much anyone earns, pays in taxes, anything they buy or sell, all the food, housing, gas, everything. Man, oh man, that guy back in the desert, son of man, once told me, get behind me, Satan, or I'm going to get him to eat his words. With the new digital currency, every human on the planet will be eating out of my hand. By 2030, they will not own anything, and they will like it. I can feel it in my timbrels. Get behind me, Adam. Then the unthinkable began to happen. The big eye starts to stir up. Profits out of nowhere. They begin to study his word. He starts to talk with them as a father would talk to his sons. These guys would do anything for their father. They would run through a wall if he asked them to. They had no fear. They could not be tempted with the love of money. They could not be tempted with sex. They could not be tempted with glory because they wanted their father to have all the glory. My usual weapons, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, had no effect on them. Then he tells them to celebrate the old feasts, the deadly seven feasts of old, three in the fall and four in the spring. They forsake celebrating All Hallows' Eve and Christmas and even Easter in honor of my dear goddess Ishtar. They began to understand the purpose and intent of the Feast of Trumpets. I hate that feast. I hate shofars. Every time... The shofar blows by someone who knows what they're doing. All hell begins to tremble. My demons remember all our defeats started with the blowing of the shofars. One by one, out of the caves, out of the deserts, out of the remote towns and villages, his elect began to understand the truth. In a word, they became awake. He always worked with a remnant. And now his remnant was growing, developing into his true sons. Many years ago, I had trouble with a guy named Elijah. Now all these dudes reminded me of Elijah. The last time Elijah came back, the son of man, the seed of the woman, came to earth through a virgin. Now these same sons were looking and acting a lot like Elijah. And I cannot help but get nervous he was coming back again. That is what was making me nervous. I checked with Death, and he told me his sting was still intact. Even better than ever, the hospitals were cooperating. The CDC was cooperating. The World Health Organization was cooperating. Wars had worked for years, but swords and bullets could only kill so many. The gas chambers were more effective, quicker, and less costly in time and money. Abortions were more effective, killing several hundred million worldwide. We had plans to starve a few hundred more to death. So what was the problem? Our final solution was the weaponization of pharmaceuticals. No one seemed to notice that farmer is a word for sorcery. And yes, sorcery is one of my dearest friends. By sorcery, we can control the minds of millions, just like in Adam's case. While we could not kill them, we could get them to kill themselves. I told you I was a genius. Well, we are ending another lunar year and looking back, we smacked our lips. Our Dominion voting machines put our people in the appropriate places and governments around the world. We even named them after our victory in the garden. Dominion.
We are looking forward to another great year of death and destruction. We have power over the nations, no matter how much the seas may roar. After the beginning of the next year, we are going to have the greatest All Hallows Eve yet. We will put on the greatest display of death the world has ever seen. We're going to depopulate the earth of half its humans. Just then the sound of a shofar began to blow. It was coming from the east. I'm very sensitive to sound, thought Lucifer. The sound rippled over the Jordan River. The sound waves knocked down the east gate in the old city of Jerusalem. Lucifer looked at death, whose face turned pale. He looked at sorcery and she slumped. He looked at the powers and principalities of evil, Baal, Malak, and Ishtar. They all shrank back. The sound in the shofar blast. The sound in the shofar blast said, O oh death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? What day is it? asked Lucifer. It is sunset on Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. Uh-oh, said Lucifer. The first shofars are announcing the arrival of their new champion, of their champion, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Their Messiah is coming back. He's going to overturn everything we've accomplished since our rise in the garden on the first All Hallows' Eve. There'll be no more death. We will not be able to celebrate All Hallows' Eve ever again. We will not have dominion anymore. He will restore dominion to Adam. What will he do with us? I hope he doesn't send us, all of us, into the abyss. Why does the big guy Yahweh love these puny little humans so much? He treats them just like his own family. If he had only chosen me as his son. And that's the story of All Hallows' Eve from Lucifer's perspective. It's all about power and control. And yet God has given his family power and control for bringing the kingdom onto the earth. That authority comes when we spend time with him and we understand that he's our father. And if we ask him, he'll tell us what our calling and destiny is. Signing off, Papa Tom. This day.